We want to thank you today for joining us at Truth Chapel's podcast. I pray this word would bring you life. I pray that it would edify you, encourage you, and enlighten you. If you have a moment, please subscribe and leave us a review. We will be so grateful. God bless, and let this word speak to your heart today. In a row, I want to teach to you, and I want to bring some understanding to the word of God today. I want to teach to you, preach to you, the high priest of Hebrews the high priest of Hebrews. Can we pray together today? Lord, we love you so much. We're so thankful to be in your house and to be among your people. Thank you for this word today. Let it grow us, mature us, teach us uh, that we may grow into all truth. And I pray in your precious name, in Jesus' name. And the church said amen. Amen. You may be seated in his presence. Again, thank you for being with us today at Bible study. Um, This morning, I want to... uh, teach a little bit, if it's okay, if I bring some understanding to the word. I want to affirm to you today, affirm and and, and reaffirm to you today, before I begin my lesson today, because I believe Hebrews is one of those books in the Bible that we, uh, we love to teach and preach from, from specific moments in Hebrews. Uh, we, we, we highlight several scriptures in the book of Hebrews, and we teach and preach from those specific scriptures. But the book of Hebrews is really a summary and glossary of Leviticus. Um, what Hebrews is trying to show us is that Christ has become our high priest, that, that we have a high priest, and our high, our high priest is Christ. And... The reason that some, some people stray away from, from this topic in, in the book of uh, Hebrews is because if you're, if you're uh, a oneness apostolic, and, 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 and what I mean by that is that you believe that there is but one Lord, one faith, one baptism. There are moments in the book of Hebrews that are hard to explain because Hebrews speaks of a lot of separation between God and Jesus. And for oneness apostolics who believe in the oneness of God, these are the scriptures that we, we, um, we're scared of. And I believe one of the reasons that we're scared of it is because I believe that most of us, as an apostolic viewpoint of the word of God, we struggle with the idea of the oneness of God opposed to some scriptures in the, in, in the New Testament. The way that the New Testament writers write, and most theologians believe that Paul was the author of the book of Hebrews, that is not for sure. Uh, literally, people believe Barnabas, some people believe Timothy. Timothy couldn't have written it, uh, but t- there's a whole group of people that believe that Timothy wrote it. Some people believe that it maybe have been Apollos that wrote the book of Hebrews. Many believe Luke. Uh, wrote the book of Hebrews, but most theologians have agreed that they believe that Paul wrote the book of Hebrews. I personally believe that Paul wrote the book of Hebrews just because of the cadence and the temper of the of the book. If you read Paul's writing, you know that Paul writes in orthodoxy and orthopraxy. Right doctrine, right practice, right believing, right behavior. Uh, what we believe spiritually and how we act that out practically. And the book of Hebrews is written in that way. Around chapter 8 and 9, 
going into chapter 10, we see a total switch in the writing and, and, and uh, tempo of the scripture, and it switches from a doctrinal belief, this is what we believe doctrinally, into this is how we practice this out, and we begin to flow into the rest and the Holy Ghost and different things happening in the middle of the book of Hebrews. Now, it could have been one of, it could, it could have been Barnabas maybe, because Barnabas and Silas, who is another writer they think may have written the book of Hebrews, spent so much time with Paul. You know, when you spend time with Paul, you, you probably write like Paul. You know, you, you talk like Paul talks. I mean, I preach a lot like my father and men that I grew up around because I hung around them, and so I, I kind of act like them. You know, that's, that's where I learned from. So it could be Silas or Barnabas, but I do believe that it was Paul. And when Paul writes, and a lot of the New Testament, uh, you know, the early apostles write, they write in a way and that they, that they make a separation between God and Christ Jesus, the Father and his Son. A lot of, of this is in the New Testament. And if you are a, you know, oneness believer and, and, and you don't adhere to the Trinity belief, and, and let me, if, if anybody's in here today and you believe in the Trinity, you believe that there is a Father and you believe that that's a person, and you believe that there is a son, and that's a person, and you believe there's a Holy Spirit, and that's a person. Um, what we believe as an apostolic oneness that we, we don't believe that. We don't believe in three persons, co-equal, co-eternal, co-existent, which is a Trinitarian belief system. We believe that there is but one God, one, just one, right? But can I, can I help you this morning and teach a little bit? 1 Timothy chapter 2, I would love for you to go there with me. 1 Timothy chapter 2. Because I believe that what I'm about to read to you is one of those moments in the Bible that when you see this, everything else in the New Testament becomes very clear to you. And it's easy for us to talk about Christ, our high priest that we learn about in Hebrews. We learn about this high priest, and as we learn about him, when we understand this concept, we're like, oh, yeah, this makes complete sense to me. There is but one God. And that is what Timothy's going to tell us in 1 Timothy chapter 2. I would love for you to learn this scripture, write this down, make this a part of what you believe, because my job here as a pastor is to preach conviction and curiosity. I want to convict you. I want you to know, hey, I'm a sinner. I need Christ. Amen? But I also want you to be like, you know what? I like that. I need to go look that up for myself. I need to learn that so that when someone asks me what I believe, this is what I believe. This is why I believe it, not because my pastor preaches it, not because my church believes it, not because my denomination is, you know, in that flow. But I believe it because this is what the Bible said. Is that, is that good? All right, cool. Awesome. I'm just going to begin in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1. Uh, verse 1. I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come into the knowledge of the truth. This is the will of God, that all men will be saved and that we would come in to the knowledge of the truth. What is the truth? For there, for there is one God. Amen. There, there we go. We believe that. There is one God. One. There's not three. There's not four. Not six. There's not many ways. There's one way. There's one God. This next part is going to 
clear up for us some of the devil talk that we, we feel like is devil. It's not devil talk. But I've, I've heard a lot of oneness preachers, you know, well, there's a lot of devil talk in the New Testament. It's not devil talk. These men knew exactly what they were saying. And this is what they were saying. There is one God and one mediator between God and man. The man, Christ Jesus. Okay? What is this saying? This is saying that there is one, there, there's only one God. There's not three thrones in heaven. There's not two thrones in heaven. There's but one throne in heaven. One throne. And there's one God. But between God and us, there is a man. Now, when you look this word up, the man, that, that word man, it's, it means human. It means homo sapien. There is a man between us and God, and that is the man, Christ Jesus. The flesh of Jesus is between us and God. Now, now when you begin to understand this, it makes everything you believe come so much clearer and so much more beautiful. Because without the man, Christ Jesus, I have no connection to God. Now, if, um, if I step out of line here today, the Lord's going to help me. But I'm not going to step out of line because I'm in the Bible. And, and I need to teach this because a lot of people believe that when they pray, you know, they're, they're, it, it, it's just them and God. But the reason that we pray and the, the, the reason that Jesus would tell us, when you pray and with everything you do, do in my name because you need me to get to him. Now, he is all God and all man. He is God manifest in the flesh, but the flesh is not God because God don't sleep. The Bible tells us that God never sleeps and never slumbers. And we know that Jesus slept on the boat. God don't eat. He has no need for manna. No need. So when Jesus ate, that was the man eating. That was the man sleeping. You can't cut, you can't cut God. Can't cut him. He, 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 he can't, you can't cut him. But the man, Christ Jesus, you can cut him. You, can beat, you can't beat God, but you can beat the man. This is how Christ has become our high priest. Hebrews is about to become completely clear when you understand this concept, that without Jesus, there's no way to God. The man, Christ Jesus, the flesh. The Bible will tell us later on in the book of Hebrews, and we're going to read this, and it's going to get so beautiful to you, you're going to be like, this makes so much sense. This is why we baptize in the name of Jesus. This is why we pray in the name of Jesus. This is why Jesus is my best friend. This is why Jesus is my savior. This is, and when I begin to understand these, these two things, I'm still a oneness believer. I'm not a dualist. You know what a dualist is? A dualist believes that Jesus and God are the same thing but two things. But, but, but Jesus and God are, are not the same thing in heaven right now. There is a man standing in heaven right now. Hebrews is going to tell us this. 
There is a man, a physical, fleshly man standing right now before God. And he is our mediator. And his spirit, the spirit that was in him, is on this earth right now as the mediator helping us. It's called the Holy Spirit. This is when Jesus said, I will come to you. Even I will come to you. I will not leave you comfortless, but I will send my comforter. I, even I, will come to you and I will comfort you. We have to have a mediator between us and God. Without the mediator, we are still Gentiles. Without the mediator, we, are, we still have no remission for sins. Without the mediator, we can't even talk to God. But when I pray, I, when I finish my prayer, I say, Lord, I ask all these things in Jesus' name. And when I pray in Jesus' name, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. Okay. Everybody with me? I ain't made nobody mad yet, have I? Now, when you understand this concept, because this is the way the apostles are writing, because the apostles believe this. The apostles are not denominational. The apostles are not Pentecostal. They're not apostolic. They're not Baptist. The, the, the Pentecostals are not Catholic. They're not Methodist. They, they have no denomination in their mind. All they know is this, is this is what we know. We believe that Christ has ascended into heaven, and he is now standing before the Father continually as a mediator between us and God. And we believe that there is one God, but we also believe that there is one man between God and us, and that is the man, the flesh, Christ Jesus, the human being. Now, when you start seeing that and you start reading the New Testament, you're like, oh, my goodness, I see it everywhere. When, 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 when Paul begins to preach and he's like, you know, I, I pray to the Father and his son, Jesus. And you're like, well, wait a minute, is Paul a dualist? No, Paul's not a dualist. Paul believes that there's one God, but he also believes that there's a, a man between him and God, the man, Christ Jesus. He's not a dualist. This is how he believes because he knows this. And so we cannot start learning from the book of Hebrews without having an understanding of what this is talking about. Watch this in Hebrews chapter 1. Let's begin reading in Hebrews chapter 1. Keep in mind everything I just taught. Keep in mind everything I just taught. That there is but one God. And one mediator between God and man, and that is the man, Christ Jesus. God, who at sundry times and in divers manners spoke in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken to us by his son. Who? Whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. Who, being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, now, this is so important because Jesus, it was the express image of God. If you want to know what God looked like, just look at Jesus. Because he was the express image of God. That's the, somebody said, you know, the Bible talks about that God is a spirit. You know, no man has seen man any time. But what, oh, if that's true, then how does the Bible talk about the hands of God? But we know God had hands because Jesus had hands. We know God had hands because in Genesis, he said, let us make man and, okay, are you with me? Who, Jesus being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he hath by himself purged our sins, Jesus, the son of God, purged our sins, 
set down on the right hand of the majesty on high, being made so much better than the angels, as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. We know that because the Bible says that it pleased God that in him, in him who? The man Christ Jesus should dwell the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Yes, Lord. He's been made so much better than the angels. He hath an inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. For by his name, Christ has a name that is above every name. Amen. Watch the verse 5. For unto which of the angels said he at any time, thou art my son. What, what, what angel has God said, you are my son? Did, did, he call, did he call Gabriel his son? Did he call Michael his son? Did he call uh, Lucifer, Beelzebub his son? No. Only, the only person that he has called his son is the man, Christ Jesus. Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee, and again I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he bringeth in the first begotten into the world, he saith, and let all angels of God worship him. And of the angels, he saith, who maketh his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire. But unto the son, he saith, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. And thou, Lord, in the beginning, hast laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the works of thine hands. They shall perish, but thou remainest. They shall perish, the heavens, they will perish, but thou remainest, and they all shall wax old as doth a garment, and as a vesture. Thou shalt fold them up, and they shall be changed, but thou art the same, and thy years shall not fail. But to which of the angels said he at any time, sit on my right hand, until I make thine enemies thy footstool? He didn't say that to Michael. He didn't say that to Gabriel. He didn't say that to Lucifer. He only said it to Jesus. Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation, Hebrews chapter 2. Remember, the Bible is not written in chapters. Therefore, we ought, knowing this, therefore, knowing this, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape? In other words, now, th therefore, we should hold on to this word unless we forget it because if every deed is connected, if every wrong thing I've ever done will never be off the ledger, how will we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him, God also bearing them witness both with signs and wonders and divers miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his own will. For unto the angels hath he not put in subjection the world to come whereof we speak. He, you know what he's saying? He's saying Jesus is not an angel. He's a person. He, he, he's a man. Now, him being a man and not an angel is going to matter. It's going to matter here in a, in a little bit. Because angels don't have the power that a man has. 
For unto the angels he had not put in subjection the world to come, whereof we speak, but in a certain place testifying, saying, What is man that thou art mindful of him, or the son of man that thou visitest him? Thou madest him a little lower than the angels. Thou crownedest him with glory and honor, and thou didst set him over the works of thine hands. Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. But now we see not yet all things put under him. But we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels. For the suffering of death crowned with glory and honor that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. For it became him for whom are all things, by whom are all things, in bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For he that sanctifieth and they that are sanctified are all of one, for which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will declare thy name unto thy brethren in the midst of the church will I sing praise unto thee. Mm. Again, I will put my trust in him, and again, behold, I and the children which God hath given me, wherefore as, for as much, then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that hath the power of death, that is the devil. Jesus came to destroy death, and him that had power over death, that is the devil. And deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. Ooh, that's good. He did not take on the, nat the nature of angels. He did not come in a form that could not be touched with our infirmities. He did not come in a form that, that he could not uh, live on earth and, and, and taste and see but he came as the seed of Abraham. He came born as the seed of Abraham, a man, a human. Wherefore, in all things, it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might uh, be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself had suffered being tempted, he is able to secure them that are tempted. Ah, this is going to make sense a little later on when the Bible will say in the book of Hebrews, we do not have a high priest that has not been touched with the same things that we have been touched by. Yeah, he, he did not come as a spirit, as an angel, being able to do all these things. He came as a man like as unto we. He came as flesh and blood. He came to fill the, 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 the sting of betrayal. He came to feel the sting of, of, of hopelessness. He came to feel the sting of loneliness. He came to feel everything that we feel. He wanted to feel what we felt. He came, the Son of God came, not as an angel, but he came as a human, me and you. He, he came like as unto us because for in he himself have suffered being tempted, he is able to secure them that are tempted. It's a good word. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, 
Consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. Consider him. Consider him. Who was faithful to him that appointed him? Also as Moses was faithful in all of his house. For this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who hath built the house hath more honor than the house. For every house is builded by some man, but he that buildeth all things is God. And Moses verily was faithful in all of his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken after. But Christ as a son over his own house, whose house are we? If we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end, wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works forty years, wherefore I was grieved with that generation and said, they do err in their heart, and they have not known my ways, so I swear my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. This is what the Lord said about the children of Israel. They will not enter into my rest. He said, take heed, brethren, lest there be any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. While it is said today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart as in the provocation. For some, when they heard, did provoke. How be it not all that came out of Egypt by Moses, but, when, but with whom was he grieved 40 years? Was it not them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? And to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest? But to them that believe not, so we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. The writer of Hebrews is taking this moment, he's comparing the original high priest, Moses, to the now high priest, Christ, and, and he's making this comparison. He's, he's taking us all the way back to the book of Hebrew, uh, 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 to, the, to, the, to the Old Testament, to the Torah, and he's telling us, he's telling us about what happened in that Old Testament system when they believed Moses and they followed Moses, but when they got into the wood, when they got into some hardship, they doubted Moses. And they said, you know what? He has not brought us here to live. He has brought us here to die. And he said, do not be like them who turn their back on their high priest because of hardship. Watch what he says in, in chapter 4. He said, let us therefore fear lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. What, what was the rest for Moses' people? What was, what was the rest for the Hebrews? It was Canaan, right? Canaan was the rest. It was a rest because it flowed with milk and honey. It was a rest because they would live in houses they did not build. It was a rest because they would live off of vineyards they did not plant. It was a rest because everything had already been done. And the Lord said, I'll give it to you little by little, day by day, lest the land overtake you. This is what the rest was. The rest was you've lived in bondage of Egypt, but I'm bringing you into a place where you will not live in bondage of Egypt. You will live as free men, no bond, no prisoner, no slave. 
you will live in a land of freedom and I will bless you and everything you have need of, I will give it to you. That's the rest that he promised them. But many of them never saw it. The Bible says in Hebrews that their carcasses would fall in the wilderness. They would never receive that rest. But he's talking about a different rest now. He's talking about uh, the, the rest for us. And Hebrews is going to tell us about all this. Let us therefore fear lest the promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. Them, who's talking about? The children, the children of Israel in the Torah. The Old Testament church of Israel heard the gospel, the good news. There's a place prepared for you. Moses, who was made like unto you, Moses raised up a man of God being delivered to you to bring you out of bondage of sin, to take you into his rest. They heard the gospel preached. They saw the signs and the wonders. They went to church just like us. Just, it just looked different. But watch this. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. They heard the good news. They heard God's bringing us out. They heard God's bringing us in, but they didn't mix it with faith. The first trouble they got in, they said, this ain't real. We should we, we just go back living in Egypt. We're we, we, we going to starve out here. The, the, the first water they tasted that was bitter, they said, man, this, this Moses, we know not of him. We don't know what he's done. Moses has led us out here to die. They doubted the promise because of the problem. They forgot the word. It, you, listen, you cannot worry and remember the word at the same time. They, the, the, the word they heard, they didn't mix it with faith. Can I tell you this? That the word of God you hear today must be mixed with faith for it to profit you. If you want to profit from the preaching, you need to mix the word with faith. Amen? Amen? You, me and you both know you're not making no pancakes if you don't mix. I don't care if you got the best pancake mix in the world, it don't matter. You can pour the, the, the milk in a bowl and the pancake mix in the bowl and pour it on the stove. It's going to be nasty. It's not going to look right. not going to taste right. It's going to be weird. And you will not, listen, you might, you might be able to eat it. it. It might be edible, but it's not what, God, it's not really what, the, the, the makers of that had prepared for you. Oh, hallelujah. I mean, you can, you can put it together. It's going to be not what it is. So many people living in, a, in, in, in the Holy Ghost world with Jesus Christ as your high priest, and you should have all these things, but you don't have it because you never mix it. All you need to do is mix it. This is what the prophet, this is what the apostle would tell uh, his young pupil, Timothy. He said, Timothy, I, what you need to do is you need to stir up the gift that is in you. You got it already. You just need to stir it up. The gift is there. All the ingredients are in the bucket, baby. Just mix it up. You, you have the word, but if you'll mix the word with the faith of your life and say, you know what, I'm going to try this on Monday. That's good preaching, preacher, but I'm going to get baptized in Jesus' name. I like, I like what you're saying, but I'm going to pray every day. I'm going to mix it with some faith. If you mix it with faith, it will profit you. Uh, verse 3, for we which have believed do enter into rest, as he said. 
as I have sworn in my wrath, if thou shalt enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundations of the world. For he spake in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise, and God did rest the seventh day from all of his works. This is a type and shadow of Sabbath. And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest, seeing therefore it remaineth the saint that some must enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached enter not in because of unbelief. They had a promise of rest, but they didn't enter into the rest because of unbelief. Ten came back with the evil report. Two came back with a good report. They said, man, it's looking fantastic over there. It looks awesome. It's unbelievable. It's going to blow your mind. But there were ten men that came back, and the Bible says that those ten men with their evil report convinced many people that we shouldn't go. There's giants over there. It's too much. We can't handle all that. It's just crazy. They have cities where the wall, you can't even see around the walls. They came back with all the negative the proclivity to always bring a negative report. And with, because the people believed the men and didn't believe God, they did not enter into their rest. Their children did, but not them. They died in the desert. They never saw the milk. They never tasted the honey. They never saw the walls of Jericho come down. The Bible says their carcasses rotted in the desert because they just didn't believe. They enter not in because of unbelief. Verse 7, again, he limiteth a certain day, saying in David, today, after so long a time, as it is said, today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. For if Jesus hath given them rest, then would he not afterward have spoken of another day. There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that is entered into his rest he also have ceased from his own works as God did from his. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the dividing of sunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and the marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked. And open unto the eye of him with whom we have to do. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens. Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. But was in all points tempted like as were we yet without sin. Let us therefore... Come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So thankful for the high priest of Hebrews because the original high priest, and I'm going to stop right here. I'm, I'm, I'm going to finish this up some next week. I'm going to just close with this. The original high priest would take all the sins of the people. You would come, you would bring your family, you bring your children once a year and, and you would come and you would, you, you would bring a sacrifice for, for that sin that you had committed. Sins you knew about, sins you didn't know about, things, things that you had done, things your children have done that you, that you didn't even realize they had done. All these sins and, and you would bring them all to the high priest, the, the, the turtle doves and, and, and the lambs and the goats and then the high priest would take the blood 
of those sacrifices. He, he would take blood of goats and bulls that, that had been killed be, because of your sin. These bulls and bullocks and turtle doves and, and lambs had died for the sins of the people. And they took their blood. The high priest would take the blood of those animals and he would come into the holy place. He would prepare himself in the holy place. He would, he would have to get his mind right, his heart right, because he was about to enter into the holiest of holies. And if he wasn't right, matter of fact, they would tie bells, or, or pomegranate bells around the edges of his skirts, and they would tie a rope around his ankle. Because if he wasn't just right, when he came under, the, under that veil with that blood, if the blood wasn't right, he wasn't right, God would kill him. And they would listen. They would stand outside the holy place, outside the tent, they would listen, and if they heard the bells jingling, they knew that the priest was worshiping. And they would be excited. It's good, we're good, we're good, we're good, we're good. And everybody would be happy because their sins would be pushed back. But if they heard nothing, they'd pull on the rope. And sometimes they would pull out a dead priest. Oh, no, something wasn't right. We did something wrong. They'd have to start over again. All of the priests, would, the, the high priest would be reassigned. And then he'd be like, me today? Yeah, you today. And, Jesus, and God is in a killing mood. And then you had to get all your stuff right and go in. And, and every year they had to do this. And, and if he came in, if, if the power and the presence of God didn't kill him, then, then, if he was allowed to live, then he would offer the blood for the sin. He would dip the hyssop branch in the blood and he would sprinkle it on the altar. And the blood would block the eyes of God from seeing the sin of the people. They had to be covered because the sin of the people was in that box. The, the, the law was in that box. And as God looked at the law, he saw everything they had done wrong that was opposed to that law. The manna was in that box. And God would see the manna where they doubted him and he had to feed them. He would look into that box. He would see the rod of Aaron where they where they strived with each other to see who would be the leader. And to him, it was all sin. And when the priest would sprinkle the blood on it, the blood would cover the sin. And God couldn't see it no more. And, and as the priest would sprinkle the blood on the, on the altar, he would back out. And as he backed out, he'd hit the candlestick and the table of showbread and the holy place. Then he would back out. He would sprinkle the covering. And as he went, he would sprinkle the laver. And as he backed out, he would sprinkle the altar. And as he backed out, he would sprinkle the, inner, the outer courts. And when he finally got out to the people, he'd say, we good, y'all. They would rejoice. Yeah. And then they'd all line up and he'd sprinkle them. And then he'd sprinkle himself. And the people were covered by the blood for one year. Next year, got to do it all over again. Because you're sorry. You're a sinner. You messed up. You're going to mess up. There's no way you can live up to that law that's in that box. There's no way. And as the blood dissipated, because the blood of oxen and the blood of goats and the blood of bullocks was never enough. But now we have a high priest that had entered into the holy place, not with the blood of bulls and goats, but with his own blood, his blood, his blood. He has entered once. One time, he stood in the presence of God. One time. And every time I sin, 
I can repent. And the blood covers. The blood covers my sin. The blood covers my faults. I'm going to talk about sinners in, in, in the next service, in, in, in our 11 o'clock. I'm going to talk about sinners, so I'm going to talk about you. Be here. I'm talking about you. You don't want to miss it. I'm going to be talking straight. I'm going to be talking about you, so you need to be here. Don't miss it. I'm going to be talking about sinners in the next service. But we have a high priest. We have a God that loved the world so much, he sent his son, Christ Jesus, to die for me. That's the gospel. You know what the gospel is? The gospel means good news. Here's the good news. The good news is we have a high priest that has been touched with our infirmities. He knows what we're going through. When we pray and we come with our weak and meager prayer, we come with our unworthy worship to God. It's like filthy rags. But when we do it, we do it in the name of Jesus. And God, it had pleased God that in him would dwell the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And so when I say Jesus, I say it all. Because it's all in him. It's all in him. We have a high priest. Today, if you hear his voice today, and you're hearing his voice right now because the Bible says in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word, and that's John chapter 1 and verse 1, but John chapter 1 and verse 14 says, and the word, what, became flesh and dwelt among us. Yeah, he's the word. And so today when you hear him, when you hear his word, harden not your heart. Harden not your heart, but say, oh, he's on my side. I have a high priest. I have, you, can, you can imagine how them people rejoiced when the high priest came out and he said, hey, we all good. It's going to be good for another year. When, when the high priest came out of that place, then people shouted. They rejoiced. They ran around. They slapped high five. They knew that this was going to be a good year, that God loved them, that God was going to pass their sin by, that the wrath of God was not going to pour out on them. And every time I call on the name of Jesus, I feel the same way, that he, he died for me, he shed his blood for me, he stands in the presence of God continually on my behalf, he's my mediator, he's my lawyer, he's my judge, he's my jury, he's my advocator. He takes care of me. If you're glad about it, won't you clap your hands and stand as you're clapping. Uh, stand as you're clapping. And just know that we have a high priest. Hebrews is about to get so good. So, 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 so be here next Sunday when we continue the high priest of Hebrews. It's, it's good word because it explains so much. When you go home today, I want you to get, get, get your Bible out this week, 1 Timothy chapter 2. Read that. Read it. Get it in your heart. Understand it. When you understand it and you start reading the New Testament again, you, you, you start seeing it. You go, oh, that's what he meant when he said that. Oh, wow, that's what he meant when he said that. Oh, man, I always wondered about the scripture. That's what he means. He means the flesh of Jesus, the man Christ Jesus, that human being that stands continually before God to advocate for me. He's on my side. And no matter what I pray, here's what he said. He said, anything you ask, 
anything you ask. Anything you ask. If you have faith and you believe it, ask it in my name and it'll be given to you. You know why? Because I got, I got the connections. We all know somebody with connections. Don't we? We all got one friend that got some connections. We don't know how they got them. And honestly, we don't care. I got a friend of mine. He got some connections. I called him. He said, he said, hey, I can get anything you want. I said, okay, I'm going to test you. I want tickets for the Masters. I want to take my dad to the Masters. Bucket list. He said, oh, I got you. Then he called me back a month later. He said, bro, these tickets are so difficult to get. I said, I thought you knew somebody. I thought you had that connection. He said, I got you. A few months later, he called me back. He said, man, they're really difficult to get. I said, I thought you knew somebody. You told me that, you, that they would get you anything you wanted because you knew somebody. You had a connection. And the day before, he called me and said, hey, I just told my, my dad and my brothers to come. Come. I don't know if we're going to get the tickets or not, but just come. And the day before, he called me and said, hey, I know somebody. I got the tickets. Because ain't no way I could afford them tickets. And so we went to the Masters because I knew somebody that knew somebody, had a connection. And when you call on the name of Jesus, you got no better connection. He is the high priest. He is in the prayer. He is the high priest. He's on your side. If he be for you, who can be against you? Front row seats. Amen. Amen. That's why we can go to the throne room boldly. We don't have to walk in like that other high priest with quivering Knees knocking, oh no, oh no, I've messed up. What have I done? Maybe I, he said, no, you, he said, when we go in there, we go in there boldly. Hey, Jesus, I got a problem. My family. Hey, 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 Jesus, my, my kids. Hey, Jesus, my body. Hey, Jesus, my mind. Jesus, I need your help. Jesus said, I got you. I got, that's what I'm here for. I'm your high priest. I make the connections. I know somebody. <laughs> Oh, hallelujah. Listen, to me, this, right, this one revelation right here in the Bible changes everything for apostolic Pentecostal believers. Because when you start really knowing and believing who Christ is to you, it puts you in a place where you say, man, that's right. Everything I do, I do in the name of Jesus. Every time I pray, I pray in the name of Jesus. I call the name of Jesus when I'm driving down the road. I call the name. Somebody pulls in my lane, I call on the name of Jesus because I have an advocate with the Father, a mediator. A mediator between God and man. Amen? Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for your word today. And I pray that it will speak. We want to thank you again for joining us on the Truth Chapel podcast. May you have a blessed day and walk in the favor of the Lord.